Heavenly Father Yahweh, we just want to thank you for this beautiful Sabbath that you provide us with every week. And um, thank you for the rest that we can we can have with our families and our friends. And thank you for this fellowship, Father. Father, I want to say a prayer for uh, Steve Peters and, and that he'll have a, a speedy recovery um, with his emergency surgery today. And um, I want to say a prayer for uh, another one of our friends and that you would just let your light shine in their marriage. And um, also, Father, we just pray that you would just give us what we what we need instead of what we want. We know this 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 world is tiresome and it can wear us down some. Just help our minds and our hearts stay focused on you and and your behavior. And just help us to be a light to everyone around us as we walk out in the world each day. And Father, we pray all these things through our son, through your son Yeshua, our priest and king. Amen. Amen. Oh, and pray for my wife. She's got COVID. <laughs> Good Lord. I've been out. I just got to stay away from her. So I don't need to get it. I don't, I don't think it's all that bad, but you know, you know, when men get sick, they become sissies. Women, women do actually hold the daggone crown in that division. All right, Dustin. All right. Um, <laughs> starting in Exodus 10 <clears throat> and I will be reading out of the scriptures today just because it's sitting here on my table alright it says Yahweh said to Moshe go into Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants so that I show these signs of mine before him and that you relate in the hearing of your son and your son's son what I have done in Mitzrayim and my signs which I have done among them, and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. And Moshe and Aaron came in to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus said Yahuwah, Elohim of the Hebrews, Till when shall you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, so that they serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, see, tomorrow I am bringing locusts within your borders, and they shall cover the surface of the land, so that no one is able to see the land, and they shall eat the rest of what has escaped which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. And they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Mitzrites, which neither your father nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said to him, Till when would this one be a snare to us? Let the men go so that they serve Yahweh their Elohim. Do you not yet know that Mitzrayim is destroyed? And Moshe and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve Yahweh your Elohim. 
Who are the ones that are going? And Moshe said, We are going with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds we are going, for we have a festival to Yahuwah. And he said to them, Let Yahuwah be with you, as I let you and your little ones go. Watch for evil is before your face. Not so. You men go now and serve Yahuwah, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from the presence of Pharaoh. And Yahuwah said to Moshe, Stretch out your hand over the land of Mitzrayim, for the locusts to come upon the land of the of Mitzrayim, and each plant, or and eat every plant of the land, all that the hail has left. And Moshe stretched out his rod over the land of Mitzrayim, and Yahweh brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. Morning came, and the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Mitzrayim and settled within all the borders of Mitzrayim very grievous. There had never been locusts like them before, nor would there again be like them. And they covered the surface of all the land, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every plant of the land, and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. And no greenness was left on the trees, or on the plants of the field, and all the land of Mitzrayim. Pharaoh then called for Moshe and Aaron in haste, and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your Elohim, and against you. And now, please forgive my sin only this once, and pray to Yahweh your Elohim that he would turn only, or that he would only turn away this death from me. And he went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Sea of Reeds. Not one locust was left within all the border of Mitzrayim. However, Yahweh strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not let the children of Israel go. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Stretch out your hand toward he toward the heavens, and let there be darkness over the land of Mitzrayim, even a darkness which is felt. And Moshe stretched out his hand toward the heavens, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Mitzrayim for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, while all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. And Pharaoh called to Moshe and said, Go, serve Yahweh, only leave your flocks and your herds behind. Let your little ones go with you too. But Moshe said, You yourself are to provide us with slaughterings and ascending offerings to prepare for Yahweh our Elohim. And our livestock are to go with us too. Not a hoof is to be left behind. For we have to take some of them to serve Yahweh our Elohim. And we ourselves do not know with what we are to serve Yahweh until we come there. However, Yahweh strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Watch yourself and see my face no more, for in the day you see my face, you die. And Moshe said, You have spoken rightly. Never again do I see your face. <clears throat> hey, back in um, verse 15. Pharaoh actually asks forgiveness to Moses and Aaron that he sinned against them and he sinned against uh, Yahweh. But it lets you know that he really didn't mean it because he turned around after Yahweh had taken the, the plague away, you know, the locusts, that he really didn't have a repentant heart. Let me read that real quick, where he says, Then the Pharaoh called 
called for Moses and Aaron in haste. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me the death, me this death only. So he really wasn't sorry. He wasn't even repentant. Well, no. He kept he kept saying, yeah, you can go. And then as soon as everything stops, he changed his mind again. Exactly. Exactly. He wasn't that's sorry. What, he just wanted all the, all the wrath to stop. <laughs> that's why I believe that, you know, I don't think the father actually, it was, it, he hardened his heart, but it was actually, you know, the Pharaoh was given all these chances to, to repent and let Moses go. And he actually hardened his own heart because he wasn't repentant. And, you know, is that the, I guess that would be the definition of having your heart hardened. Is non-repentance. What do y'all think? Uh, Yeah, I'll read this real quick. I know it's not part of the portion, but I was reading this earlier. It's Psalm 7, actually. (laughs) I can find it. All right. It says, Elohim is a righteous judge, and El is enraged every day. If one does not repent, he sharpens his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready, and he has prepared for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows hot for pursuers. Repentance is key. Interesting. It's like, uh, I know most people in here, I think everybody does, knows who Matthew Jansen is. I agree with the way he says, <laughs> which even if he didn't say it, I would agree with it. If you don't have repentance, if you don't have a penitent heart, you're not going to enter the kingdom. Here. Nope. As Yeshua said, repent for the kingdom of, for the kingdom of God is near. Yeah. Repentance is key. Amen. Amen. I do, uh, I'm trying to remember where it's at in the text. It might be in Daniel, but it talks about how the father literally raised up Pharaoh above all the world. So, like, think back to Joseph and the famine and how basically Mitzrayim ended up being, like, the leader of, like, that entire region of everyone, I guess. Um, And then the new pharaoh comes in and puts him into slavery, and then the new pharaoh comes in, he's telling them, let us go. And so going back to the hardening of the heart... It's all for a purpose, whether 
whether it's because Pharaoh decided not to repent or didn't change his mind or, or even if not, um, it all served a purpose because, and, and the purpose is this, he raised him up so that the whole world would see his power and how he plagued the greatest nation at that time until they were forced to let Egypt or uh, Israel exit Egypt. He raised them up to make an example out of them to show that he is the living God and not just a statue of silver or gold. That Pharaoh, that Pharaoh was a Canaanite Pharaoh too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Jubilees, which it might be in this portion too, where it talks about, uh, you know, they surely the Israelites will have their eyes set to Canaan because Canaan was technically the land of Shem. Well, Canaan, like the Canaanites had taken over, you know, Egypt. Yeah. I have to go back and look at that, like when they did, but they had taken over Egypt. So. The Pharaoh was just a title of whoever was in charge at that time. Yeah. You know, just like, uh, like King. Yeah. Just like, uh, Bimelech. Yeah. Yeah. Just a title. Melech, Melech is King. Yeah. And they would just take on the name of that, that same Pharaoh. And by the time Egypt, was run over by Israelites, they had already been taken over by uh, Canaanites, and Canaanites were scared of Israelites. Yeah, I, th I think that it's probably because it had been passed down. Again, going back to Jubilees, yep. I think it had been passed down that, you know, they were going to die because their fathers had made an agreement not to take any land that wasn't theirs and they disobeyed and the penalty for disobeying that was death and this yeah. is why later on after they leave Egypt then he strengthens Israel and which basically just means that he was with them because <laughs> it wasn't right. wasn't because of Israel it was because God was with them right. uh, then they started destroying them, all the Canaanites and the Perizzites and Hittites and Jebusites and all the ites Yep. <laughs> Them ites, boy. <laughs> Those dead gum ites. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll go ahead and read 11 since it's really, really, really long. Yeah, four. Have fun. <laughs> <clears throat> And Yahweh said to Moshe, I am bringing yet one more plague on Pharaoh and on Mitzrayim, and after that he is going to let you go from here. When he lets you go, he shall drive you out from here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people, and let every man ask from his neighbor, and every woman from her neighbor, objects of silver and objects of gold. And Yahweh gave, people, gave the people favor in the eyes of the Mitzrayites. And the man Moshe was very great in the land of Mitzrayim, in the eyes of Pharaoh's servants, and in the eyes of the people. And Moshe said, Thus said Yahuwah, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Mitzrayim, and all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of cattle. 
and there shall be like be a great cry throughout all the land of Mitzrayim, such as has never been seen, or has never been, or ever shall be again. But against any of the children of Israel, no dog shall move its tongue against man or against beast, so that you know that Yahweh makes distinction between Mitzrayim and Israel. And all these servants of yours shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people at your feet. And after that, I shall go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in great displeasure. But Yahweh said to Moshe, Pharaoh is not going to listen to you in order to multiply my words in the land of Mitzrayim. And Moshe and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. However, Yahweh strengthened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Told you it was a long one. All right, I'll go ahead and start on 12. <clears throat> and Yahuwah spoke to Moshe and to Aaron in the land of Mitzrayim, saying, This new moon is the beginning of new moons for you. It is the first new moon of the year for you. Which means it's not January 1st. <laughs> Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this new moon, each one of them is to take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the beings. According to each man's need, you make your count for the lamb. Let the lamb be a perfect one, a year old, male. Take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same new moon. That word moon there in this translation's month. Uh, then all the assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slay it between the evenings, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the new or on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with wa with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its inward parts. And do not leave of it until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you are to burn with fire. And this is how you eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Pesach of Yahuwah. And I shall pass through the land of Mitzrayim on that night, and shall strike all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, both man and beast. And on all mighty ones of Mitzrayim, I shall execute judgment. I am Yahuwah. And the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, 
And when I see the blood, I shall pass over you and let the plague not come on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Mitzrayim. And this day shall become to you a remembrance, and you shall celebrate it as a festival to Yahuwah throughout your generations. Celebrate it as a festival, an everlasting law. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Indeed, on the first day you cause leaven to cease from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that being shall be cut off from Yisrael. And on the first day it is a set-apart gathering. And on the seventh day, you have a set-apart gathering. No work at all is done on them, only that which is eaten by every being. That alone is prepared by you. And you shall guard the festival of Matzot. For on this same day, I brought you your divisions out of the land of Mitzrayim. And you shall guard this day throughout your generations, an everlasting law. And the first month, on the fourteenth day of the new month, in the evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the tw 21st day of the new month in the evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened, that same being shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether sojourner or native of the land. Do not eat that which is leavened. In all your dwellings, you are to eat unleavened bread. And Moshe called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go out and take lambs for yourselves according to your clans and slay the Pesach. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel on the, and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And you, none of you, shall go out of the door of his house until morning. And Yahweh shall pass on to smite the Mitzrites and shall see the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts and Yahweh shall pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall guard this word as a law for you and your sons forever. And it shall be when you come to the land which Yahweh gives you, as he promised, that you shall guard this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What does this service mean to you? Then you shall say, It is the Pesach slaughtering of Yahuwah who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Mitzrayim when he smote the Mitzrites and delivered our households. And the people bowed their heads and did obeisance. And the children of Israel went away and did so, as Yahuwah had commanded Moshe and Aaron, so they did. And it came to be at midnight that Yahuwah struck all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Mitzrites, and there was a great cry in Mitzrayim, for there was not a house where there was not a dead one. Then he called for Moshe and Aaron by night, and said, Arise, go out from the midst of my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve Yahweh as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go. Then you shall bless me too. And the Mitzrites were strong on the people to hasten to send them away out of the land, for they said, We are all dying. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their garments on their shoulders. And the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moshe, and they had asked from the Mitzrites objects of silver and objects of gold and garments. And Yahuwah gave the people favor in the eyes of the Mitzrites, so that they gave them what they asked. 
and they plundered the Mitzrites. And the children of Israel set out from Ramesses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot besides the little ones. And a mixed multitude went up with them too, also flocks and herds, very much livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Mitzrayim, for it was not leavened, since they were not driven, or since they were driven out of Mitzrayim, and had not been able to delay, nor had they prepared food for themselves. And the sojourn of the children of Yisrael, who lived in Mitzrayim, was four hundred and thirty years. And it came to be at the end of the four hundred and thirty years, on that same day, it came to be that all the divisions of Yahuwah went out from the land of Mitzrayim. It is a night of watches unto Yahuwah for bringing them out of the land of Mitzrayim. This is that night of watches unto Yahuwah for all the children of Yisrael throughout their generations. And Yahuwah said to Moshe and Aaron, This is the law of the Pesach. No son of a foreigner is to eat it, but any servant a man has brought for sil bought for silver, when you have circumcised him, then let him eat of it. A settler and a hired servant does not eat of it. It is eaten in one house. You are not to take any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you, are, are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Yisrael are to perform it. And when a sojourner sojourns with you and shall perform the Pesach to Yahuwah, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and perform it. And he shall be as a native of the land, but let no uncircumcised eat of it. There is one Torah for the native-born and for the sojourner who sojourns among you. And all the children of Israel did as Yahuwah commanded Moshe and Aaron. So they did. And it came to be on that same day that Yahuwah brought the children of Israel out of the land of Mitzrayim according to their divisions. Did you say there was one law? I was going to say the same thing. How, how many <laughs> laws is it? <laughs> oh. Law for the Gentiles. Yeah, who's going to apply to? <laughs> what verse 38 say again? And a mixed multitude went up with them too? Yeah, mixed multitude. And that goes to the to the uh, black Hebrew Israelites right there. <laughs> Judaism. Goes, that goes to yeah anybody that tries to claim a division. Yeah, as we see in the Newer Testament, that um, what what is it that said? Oh yeah, there's there's no Jew or Greek. Yeah, <laughs> basically, if you're a behavior of the son and the father, then you're grafted in through belief. Yep. Yep. There yep. are there's there's only one separation that goes on. And that's those are in the light and those are in the darkness. That's it. You got two yep. types of people. <laughs> behavior or Yeshua's behavior. Yep. Well, that's our choices. Um, I'll also take this moment and uh, say that the Passover is not the day. It's it, there's no we don't do a seder meal. We don't do any of that. The text doesn't in any point state that there's a seder meal that is to be established or to be partaken in. Yeshua didn't do a Seder. That's not what that was. It wasn't even the Passover. The Passover refers to exactly what the text just said. It is the lamb that is to be slaughtered. Yes. And that is why 
on the 14th of the first month, we eat lamb. That's why Paul refers to Yeshua as the Passover lamb. That's why, um, that's why, uh, sorry, my back hurts. Um, John the Baptist says, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins, you know, Yeah, and that's not, I don't say that to cause any hatred or, or disdain or any of that towards any any specific people or group of people. That's just literally what God set forth. That is what the Most High says. The Passover is the slaughtering of the lamb. It is not to be changed because when you go just a couple books after this to Deuteronomy, <laughs> it says, do not add to nor take away from any of the law. Any of the book, really, but but we don't. What he says is what we do. The Father is the ultimate authority, not a group of people. That's my piece on that. Amen. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> I love it. We're just here to test the scriptures, right? That's what we're called to do. We should be like Bereans. Somebody says something before we accept it, we study it out ourselves and see if it's actually what it says. Everybody's on the same walk. I'll try to figure out the truth. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I do. I, like, that's the thing. Like, everybody says, like, everybody always mentions that, like, you know, be like the Bereans. And, like, yeah, like, let's go back to the account. Paul sat there and they did not accept a single thing he said. For what was it? It was it was a couple of days, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he just had to sit there. They studied for for a few days, and then they were like, "Okay, what you say is true." Yep. <laughs> they weren't just like, "Yeah, that sounds good." Yeah, we can go with that. Because they, they like, start- "Oh, buddy, <laughs> we're gonna test you." <laughs> as as they should, they, you know. I think the problem with now, don't get me wrong. There's people out there that has some kind of authority, you know what I'm saying? Like they're studied, and but you're still to test them too, just like pastors. You know, we we got to test them to make sure what they're saying is true. And if you find yeah. some just it's okay to come forth and say, hey, we need to talk about this. But a lot of times you're just going to get that pushback and say, man, you know what? Maybe this isn't a church for you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a common and, one. And it's sad because you're just trying to engage them in the conversation that they should be engaged in. Yeah. You know, as a shepherd. Shepherd in the flock. So, you know, Pray for that's, everybody. That's, definitely pray for everybody. Pray that everybody sees the truth, man. Yeah. Because the Father is going to be glorified in, in yeah. that finding of truth always. Yeah. But it's, with with what you just said, like, that's part of the reason why I've, I've never had a problem with, you know, being recorded. Like, even, even me and Micah, we've done 
sermons in the past and like I've went back and listened to them and I haven't had anybody else call me on anything I said, but I've went back and listened to them. And I see now that my stance is different. And this is just within the past year. It's forever. I go back. Yeah. I go back and I listen and I'm like, well, I changed my mind on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, the uh, substitution atonement, you know, Damn, I could talk about that three times this week. Like, you know, does the yeah. blood do? You know what I'm saying? What <laughs> does the blood do on that doorpost doing? And you know, a lot of a lot of people are undecided on what that what that means. Even professional scholars, you know. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's what really sold me that there's not one specific thing that you know anybody agrees with that it's like oh so it's up to me to decide which right. one seems the most logical <laughs> if you look at you know them when when aaron or moses <clears throat> paint the blood on their their uh, doorpost you know, the ones that did it were and were obedient the angel of death passed over Yeah, which if there was a mixed multitude that went up with them, then that means that it wasn't just the Israelites. That means when he told the people that there were people of Mitzrayim that were like, okay, we're going to obey this. And they did yeah. the same thing. Right. And Moses was the leader of the people. Now, here comes Yeshua. He's the leader of the people. He gives his life up, right, to those who believe and are obedient. So when that blood covers you, you're naturally going to walk as in first John two, six, he that abideth in him ought to walk even as he walked. Yeah. You know, yeah. so him giving the instruction like Moses did to the people, I believe that blood, um, when he laid his life down, this is just my stance right now. When he laid his life down, you know, he took the role of becoming our high priest to be able to make atonement for us. I agree with that. As a priest. I'm still looking into all that because, I mean, that one just came out of the woodwork in, in the last month between Matthew Jansen and everybody. You know? Yeah, and it's it's still going on. Courtney and, Courtney and Sean got a debate coming up uh, later yeah. on this month. It's a topic because if you go ask the average Christian, you're like, what did the blood do for you? And they're like, it cleansed me from all my sin. How? How? You still going to die? Okay. So even the people, you know, that just painted their doorposts with blood, um, they were obedient. And that's, and, and, it, and doesn't it say in, in 1 John 2, 29 that, or, or I'm sorry, uh, First John 3, 7, where it says, he who practices righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Yeah. So we're supposed to practice that righteousness and that obedience. Can't serve two masters. So. And that's where repentance comes in, because ain't nobody perfect. Right. Everybody's going to sin, and anybody that says that they're perfect or without sin is a liar, and the truth is not in them. And I believe that as I go, as we go through all these doctrines like Calvinism, all these imputed righteousness with R.C. Sproul, all these different doctrines. 
the one theme that I believe that they have in common is I don't have to do anything. Yeah. And that's what, that's what first like made me not want to like look into the church fathers and stuff. Cause that's something that I had started within this past year was actually like seeing, which I'm really enjoying the, the anti-Nicene or pre-Nicene, however you want to say it. It's the same word um, or same meaning. The pre-Nicene fathers, like those are the people that typically you see that they followed Torah. They followed the law. They kept the commandments <clears throat> just as, you know, their not immediate predecessor, but the predecessor of their predecessors, Yeshua. Right did well you know a lot of them were um apostles or disciples or they were disciples of the disciples right (laughs) pretty much uh yeshua was i mean john was a disciple of yeshua and then you have polycarp who was the bishop of Smyrna. he was a disciple of john and then under him you even had polycrates and polycrates kept all these Sabbath and the feast days. And then you have Irenaeus, which I've been reading a lot of him. He's got a lot of good stuff. That guy was that guy was quick to call out <laughs> bullcrap. <laughs> right. He had he has a whole a whole book, like a whole writing titled Against Heresies, and it, it goes against all of the like the original agnostics and stuff like that, which the more that I read his stuff, I feel like that's where the teaching from second and 30 not comes from. Cause a lot of it seems similar. I'm right. not going to say it's exact, but it seems similar. Like some, some orb beings doing this, that, and the other. And yeah, it's just some weird stuff, man. He was, uh, <laughs> he was the, wasn't he? He was French, wasn't he? Irenaeus? No, I'm not going to answer that because I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I think he. I think it was. I think I might. I'm trying to. I think he might. But yeah. See, when you go back and look at these, you know, what they're saying. It says Irenaeus was a Greek bishop noted for his role in guiding and expanding Greek. Christian communities in the southern regions of present-day France. Present day France, right? Yeah. 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 So he was, he was great because, you know, I mean, the world was Hellenized by Greeks and Romans. So, huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And apparently, apparently the Roman Catholic Church has given a feast day to him. Interesting. They probably got a statue for him, too. Probably. You guys are aware that the Roman Catholic Church um, Fourth Commandment's not keep the Sabbath day holy, right? Huh? Yeah. Are you serious? I didn't know that. I know that. I know that they took out um, second. They took the second commandment out. They took the second commandment out. Yeah, and that. They, well, I guess that. They split the tenth commandment. Yep. Which I yeah, I got into an argument with they the, moved the fourth commandment down to the third commandment. So you know Okay, so yeah. 
I, I guess I did know that. I just I thought you meant that they removed that one too. No, remember when they were removing the commandments out of uh, schools and stuff like that? Remember that? They were like taking they were taking the Ten Commandments down from a lot of places, and. My wife said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this night. I looked at the screen. I was like, oh, those aren't the commandments anyway. So this is the Catholic commandments. And I walked out of the room. She's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, real commandments. They already screwed yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, because the 10th the commandment is is just, it, it can be summarized as just three words. Do not covet, period. Right. And then the Roman Catholic Church, they split the, they moved it to the ninth and tenth, and it's do not covet your neighbor's wife, and then do not covet your neighbor's goods. Right. So it's just one command. There's no difference. Just do not covet. Period. Period. Uh, That's it. Well, yeah. Half the wife looked at me. I was like, good. They need to take them out. Those ain't the real commandments, anyways. And I walked out of the room. She, she got mad. She's like, what? And I'm like. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, they, they changed them. <laughs> they changed the commandments. Those aren't what God commanded. Yeah. You know, they are, but they're not, you know. It's an it's an adulteration of the commands of God. Yeah, they should be taken away. <laughs> now, wait, the fourth commandment is keep the Sabbath day, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it. So. Start, start doing like that one guy and putting Ten Commandments on church doors. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You got a you got a long way to go with that. Many brothers and sisters were where we were, you know. You know, Ray was saying tonight he went to a Baptist church, ended up in the Pentecostal church. Like you just keep going. And to trying to find that that religion. But there's only one faith, and I believe that's described in Revelation 14, 12. Here are the patience of the saints to keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Period. That's it. There's only one faith. Amen. As my father's before me. Yep. Was it? Uh, just as my father's before me, I believe in the way which they call a sect. Believing yep. that there will be a resurrection of most of the dead, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Acts twenty four fourteen. I got spray painted on the back of my truck. Yeah, <laughs> man, it feels good to be back. I've been gone for a while. All right, well, I'm gonna read these next sixteen verses of Exodus, and that'll be the end of that, and then we'll start in the rest. Damn <clears throat> It says, and Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying. Set apart to me all the firstborn, the one opening the womb among the children of Israel, among man and among beasts, it is mine. From, and Moshe said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Mitzrayim, out of the house of slavery, for by strength of hand, by strength of hand, Yahuwah brought you out of this place, and whatever is leavened shall not be eaten. Today you are going out, and the new month, Abib, or Abib, Abib, however you want to say it. <laughs> and it shall be when Yahweh brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service service in the new month. 
or in this new month. Seven days you eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day is a festival to Yahuwah. Unleavened bread is to be eaten the seven days, and whatever is leavened is not to be seen with you, and leaven is not to be seen with you within all your border. And you shall perform, or you shall inform your son in that day, saying, It is because of what Yahuwah did for me when I came up from Mitzrayim. And it shall be as a sign to you on your hand, and as a reminder between your eyes, that the Torah of Yahuwah is to be in your mouth. For with a strong hand Yahuwah has brought you out of Mitzrayim. And you shall guard this law at its appointed time from year to year. And it shall be, when Yahuwah brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall give over to Yahuwah every one opening the womb. And every firstborn that comes from your livestock, the males belong to Yahuwah. But every firstborn of a donkey, you are to ransom with a lamb. And if you do not ransom it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons, you are to ransom. And it shall be, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, By strength of hand, Yahuwah brought us out of Mitzrayim, out of the house of bondage. And it came to be when Pharaoh was too hardened to let us go, that Yahuwah killed every firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, both, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I am slaughtering to Yahuwah every male that opens the womb, but every firstborn of my sons I ransom. And it shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand Yahuwah brought us up out of the land of Mitzrayim. That's the end of the Torah part of this portion. I never realized Exodus thirteen sixteen stated the same thing as Deuteronomy six. So this, sorry, so it says in 13, Exodus 13, 13, the firstborn of a donkey you were to ransom with a lamb, and then it goes down to the firstborn man <clears throat> that you ransom. Are you supposed to ransom with a lamb? Anybody?
Isaiah 31. Woe to those who go down to Mitzrayim for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the set-apart one of Israel, nor seek Yahuwah. And he also is wise <clears throat> and has brought evil and has not turned aside his words, and he shall rise up against the house of evildoers and against the help of workers of wickedness. And the Mitzrites are men and not El. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. And when Yahweh stretches out his hand, both he who helps shall stubble, and he who is helped shall fall, and they shall all fall together. For this is what Yahweh has said to me. As a lion roars, and as a young lion over his prey, though a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not afraid of their voice, nor disturbed by their noise. So Yahweh of hosts shall come down to fight upon Mount Zion and upon its hill. Like hovering birds, so does Yahuwah of hosts protect Jerusalem, protecting and delivering, passing over and rescuing. Turn back to him from whom the children of Israel have deeply fallen away. For in that day, let each man reject his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which your own hands have made for yourselves as a sin, and a shore shall fall by a sword of a man, of man, and a sword not of mankind shall devour him. But he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become slave labor, and his strength pass away because of fear, and his commanders shall be afraid of the banner, declares Yahuwah, whose light is in Sion, and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. A furnace, huh? Sounds like Gehenna to me. I take it Jimmy done fell asleep. No, I have not. <laughs> I have not. I'm trying to uh, put me up a little tent thing here so I can have some heat out here. I can't go in the house because my wife has COVID. Bear with me. You're good. Can't believe you accused me of sleeping already. Oh, uh, you want me to resort back to the unedited tour portions from the past like three months? No, let's not do that. <laughs> Been overworked. It's not oh, eight. Still got ten minutes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just give me a second. You're good. Somebody else chime in. Micah? He's been quiet. Lots of noise. Don't stop. That's all right. I'm going to go on to Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the esteem of Yahweh has risen upon you. 
For look, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But Yahuwah rises over you, and his esteem is seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and sovereigns to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. All of them are gathered, or have gathered. They have come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are supported on the side. Then you shall see and be bright, and your heart shall throb and swell. For the wealth of the sea is turned to you. The riches of the nations come to you. Sounds like the kingdom's on the ground. What chapter and verse are we on? Sorry, guys, I just joined in here. Uh, right now, we're about to go to... Give me a second. We'll pull this paper back up. Uh, Jeremiah 46. Thank you. You're welcome. Meanwhile, Jimmy's clanking around. Sorry, I'm mute. <laughs> now I'm clanking. <laughs> Sorry. Just trying to find my suffer. Okay, you said Jeremiah 46. Jeremiah 46. I'm going to mute you, but it's we're starting in 13. It's verse 13 to 28. Thank you. All right. Jeremiah 46, verse 13. The word which Yahweh spoke to Jeremiah, the prophet, about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, sovereign of Babel, to strike the land of Mitzrayim. Declare in Mitzrayim, and let it be heard in Migdol, and let it be heard in Noph and Top, top, has. I don't. I butchered that. I know. Say, stand fast and be prepared, for a sword shall devour all around you. Why were your strong ones swept away? They did not stand because Yahweh drove them away. He made many stumble. Indeed, they fell over each other and said, "Arise, let us go back to our own people and to the land of our birth, away from the oppressing sword." There they cried. Pharaoh, sovereign of Mitzrayim, is but a noise. He has left, or he has let the appointed time pass by. As I live, declares the sovereign, whose name is Yahuwah of hosts. For as Tabor is among the mountains, and as Carmel by the sea, he shall come. O you daughter dwelling in Mitzrayim, prepare yourself to go into exile. 
for naught shall become a waste and a ruin, and be burned without inhabitant. Mitzrayim is like a very pretty heifer, but destruction comes, it, be, it comes from the north. Her hired ones, too, in her midst, are like fattened calves, for they, too, shall turn. They shall flee away together. They shall not stand, for the day of their calamity has come upon them, the time of their punishment. It sounds along like a serpent, or its sound moves along like a serpent, for they move on like an army and come against her with axes, like woodcutters, for they, or they shall cut down her forests, declares Yahuwah. For it is not searched, because they are more numerous than locusts, and without number. The daughter of Mitzrayim shall be put to shame, and shall be given unto the hand of the people of the north. Yahweh of hosts, the Elohim of Yisrael, has said, See, I am bringing punishment on Ammon of No, and on Pharaoh, and on Mitzrayim, and on their mighty ones, and on their sovereigns, and on Pharaoh, and on those trusting in him. And I shall give them into the hand of those who seek their lives, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, sovereign of Babel, and into the hand of his servants. And afterward it shall be inhabited as in the days of old, declares Yahuwah. But as for you, do not fear, O my servant Jacob, and do not be discouraged, O Israel. For look, I am saving you from afar, and your descendants from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall have rest and be at ease, with no one disturbing. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, declares Yahuwah, for I am with you. Though I make a complete end of all nations to which I have driven you, yet I do not make a complete end of you, but I shall reprove you in right ruling, and by no means leave you unpunished. So that right there. Jeremiah 46, verse 20. Mitzrayim is like a very pretty heifer, but destruction comes. It comes from the north. So a cow. <laughs> Mitzrayim is compared to a cow. Uh, it just made me think of all the in-time prophecy stuff that's been going on. You see all these people bound down to the, I don't know it's a bull, but still a cow. On that verse, it says, and in my version, it says, Mishram is like a very fair heifer, but destruction comes. It comes out of the north. To me, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like a a positive look. But within, we know it brings destruction. So it's like, are like, think about what's going to happen, you know, like with food shortages and things like that. So are they going to look like they have all the answers? Like, the, like are they going to have food? Are they just going to have, like, this beautiful look to them where we think, you know, they're going to have all these things. But really, it's things that are going to cause us to fall. That's an interesting perspective. That is an interesting perspective because it goes on in 25 and says, and on, and on those trusting in him, talking about Pharaoh. 
Interesting. Just the way that I always see it is Egypt is Babylon because when it talks about Nebuchadnezzar taking over Babel or uh, Egypt and Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babel. So I always just look at it. Anytime I look at like this stuff, it's like the king that comes next that takes over this land basically swallows it up and then they become part of whoever got swallowed up. Just like when we go on into the New Testament, the Newer Testament, we see that Rome is the authority because Rome has basically swallowed up all of these sovereigns. Mm -hmm. I think it's good That's to have that physical and spiritual eye, you know, because there's going to be that physical thing that we're also going to see in the spiritual or we'll see the spiritual thing happening first and then it manifests into the physical. So like Babylon, spiritually now, isn't Babylon pretty much anyone who's not in covenant with the Father? Or am I wrong on that? We mean like like anybody that's not in covenant with the Father would be considered like those still in Babylon. Yeah, so like wouldn't the people of Babylon be like the ones who are of the world? Because you know it talks about how Babylon's going to be destroyed. Is it talking about a physical place or is it talking about like a, a group of people? Well, um, I typically equate it to the behavior, which I guess in that sense you, you could say a group of people. Yeah. But I guess I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head if anybody else can help here, Jimmy, probably, but like Revelation talks about Babylon will fall. Babylon wasn't still a thing and John's time, was it? I have a thought. What's your thought, sir? Um, could they be referring to the system, you know, because now, uh, like Ephesians 6, it's our, our war is not against flesh and blood, but Prince of the Power of the Air, and, of course, he runs the monetary, religious, education, medicine, industrial systems across the face of this earth, right? And so um, if the Babylonian system, maybe they're talking about the system of Babylon will fall as the king returns to uh, make righteous ruling and set up a, a better kingdom. That's so, that's, that's, that's kind of similar to how I look at it because that's what I'm saying like with with every power that that comes into play so Egypt basically took over Babylon to begin with because you have like the Tower of Babel that was like the first institution of Babylon if you will 
um, then Egypt comes along, and then Babylon swallows up Egypt, and then Rome comes along. Well, you, you get what I'm saying? So I think that it would be just all that, yeah, like a system, like all those wicked systems that are in existence that, yeah, that's that's what's going to fall. That's how but, I look at it. Did y'all hear me before I cut out? No, I hear you now, though. Okay. Um, what I was saying was um, there's only four world powers. Yeah. You know, according to King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And they're, all they are is a continuation of Babylon. Like Rome is the last dreadful beast before. Cutting out. Yeah, so you cut out again. That's that's what that's what I'm getting at though. Is like, yeah, it's it's all Babylon, but each ruling power became the head of that system of Babylon. Like when you go to the prophecy in Daniel, yeah, Rome basically was the people that uh, took over. And that's why in the Newer Testament you have Rome being the ruling authority or the Greco-Roman region. So the people who will be stuck in that, like he was saying, we don't um, f wrestle with flesh and blood, but the principalities. So it's like, you know, they tell us, come out of Babylon, come out of her. So the people who are in the, that system who choose to stay in it and not come out of it, uh, you know, because their eyes haven't been opened yet or if they're just not really wanting, you know, like atheists. Like they just don't even think anything. They just go along with life and, you know, say be a good person. That's what matters to them. But, um, you know, so it's like it's not that we're really fighting against those people. Those people are just falling into the Babylonian system and they don't see what's going on. So it's like, you know, we're out here on the outside looking like, come on, man. don't follow those ways. I agree. I don't want to make an addendum to your statement. There's no such thing as an atheist, just God-haters. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know how to say it. It's like, you know, there's going to be people that are like, you know, like, hey, uh, this is how it is. You know, th this is what we need to do. Like, especially with the whole um, the green energy and, you know, the green tank commandments that they did a few months uh, ago, you know, people are, they're going to start seeing real things happen. And unless, you know, someone has spoke truth to them or if they've kind of studied it out for themselves, they're, they're just possibly going to go with it, you know, cause they're thinking, Oh my gosh, climate change, like the world's having all these issues, but really it's because the judgment of you who is coming down. I just pray for so many people, uh, especially the Catholics, you know, 
because that's like one of the big things like that specific religion is a part of that and it's just really sad you know a lot of those people who just kind of are going into church and hearing a message and leaving and claim that oh they claim this belief but it's like do they even understand the full history behind it I still stand firm that that's the harlot <laughs> and that all the different subsections of religions under Roman Catholicism is the daughters of the harlot. Yeah, yep, I, I kind of agree with that. From what I've studied, that's what I see, but I mean, it could be something else, but from what I've studied, that's what I've seen. I always tell people Rome didn't fall. They just changed their name. Yeah. <laughs> different different picture. Different logo. They're the last dreadful beast. I understand. That's the the one horn that swallowed up the three horns. But what's cool about that um, so I just was, uh, talking with a friend about this the other day, you know, everything that's happening is to fulfill prophecy. It, it's in the father's will. So are you following in the will of darkness or in the will of his light? Because if, if someone's sitting here and they're talking terrible about people who believe in Yeshua and follow the commandments, like we see all over TikTok, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're you're putting yourself under bondage or whatever, they are actually speaking prophecy when they say that or acting within prophecy because it says that there's going to be a war against us, you know? And so to me, when, when people are reacting that way, they're fulfilling prophecy, but they're not on the right side of prophecy. They're fulfilling the dark instead of the light. But it's all meant to happen. I mean, everything... You know, it's already written All right, we're going to continue on to Zephaniah, chapter 2, and it's 8 through 11. <clears throat> and it says, I have heard the reproach of Moab and the re reviling of the children of Ammon, with which they have reproached my people and exalted themselves against their borders. Therefore, as I live, declares Yahweh of hosts, the Elohim of Yisrael, Moab shall be like Saddam, and the children of Ammon like Amora. 
a possession for weeds and a pit of salt, and a waste forever. The remnant of my people plunder them, and the rest of my nation possess them. This is what they get for their pride, because they have reproached and exalted themselves against the people of Yahuwah of hosts. Yahuwah shall be awesome to them, for he shall make all the mighty ones of the earth to shrivel, while all the coastlands of the nations bow down to him, each one from his place. What Zephaniah. chapter was that? Zephaniah what? Two. All right, now we go to the extra-biblical portions. We're going to start in Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 17. That's the whole chapter. Your judgments are great and hard to interpret. Therefore, undisciplined souls went astray. For when lawless men had supposed that they held a holy nation in their power, they, prisoners of darkness, and bound in the fetters of a long night, kept close beneath their roofs, lay exiled from the eternal providence. For while they thought that they were unseen in their secret sins, They were divided from one another by a dark curtain of forgetfulness, stricken with terrible awe, and very troubled by apparitions. For neither did the dark recesses that held them guard them from fears, but terrifying sounds rang around them, and dismal phantoms appeared with unsmiling faces. And no force of fire prevailed to give light, neither were the brightest flames of the stars strong enough to illuminate that gloomy night but only the glimmering of a self-kindled fire appeared to them full of fear and terror they considered the things which they saw to be worse than that than that sight on which they would not gaze or could not gaze the mockeries of their magic arts were powerless now and a shameful rebuke of their boasted understanding For those who promised to drive away terrors and disorders from a sick soul, these were sick with a ludicrous fearfulness. For even if no troubling thing frightened them, yet, scared with the creeping of varmin and hissing of serpents, they perished trembling in fear, refusing even to look at the air, which could not be escaped on any side. For wickedness condemned by a 
witness within is a coward thing and being pressed hard by conscience always has added forecasts of the worst for fear is nothing else but a surrender of the help with which reason offers and from within the expectation of being less makes of greater account the ignorance of the cause that brings the torment but they all through the night which was powerless indeed and which came upon them out of the recesses of powerless Hades, sleeping the same sleep. Now we're haunted by monstrous apparitions, and now we're paralyzed by their souls surrendering. For sudden and unexpected fear came upon them. So then, whoever it might be, sinking down in his place, was kept captive, shut up in that prison, which was not barred with iron, for whether he was a farmer or a shepherd or a laborer whose toils were in the wilderness, he was overtaken and endured that inevitable necessity, for they were all bound with one chain of darkness. Whether there was a whistling wind or a melodious, melodious sound of birds among the spreading branches or a measured fall of water running violently or a harsh crashing of rocks hurled down or the swift course of animals bounding along unseen or the voice of wild beasts harshly roaring or an echo rebounding from the hollows of the mountains all these things paralyzed them with terror for the whole world was illuminated with clear light and was occupied with unhindered works while over them alone was a was spread a heavy night and image the darkness of the darkness that should afterward receive them but to themselves they were heavier than darkness Well, that's a thing. Yeah, think about the torment. That's just creepy. I'm going through the Notes here. It says, fifth contrast, plague of darkness versus a pillar of fire. The plague enslaves the unrighteous, Exodus 10, 21 through 23, because they had sinned by enslaving the Israelites. The description of terrors is reminiscent of the literary genre known as the descent into Hades. Interesting. where it says um, over them only was spread a heavy night an image of that darkness which should afterward receive them but yet were they unto themselves more grievous than the darkness so um, it just makes me think that outside of Yahuwah is really all things bad because he's all things good and outside of that's all things bad so not only the scary torments and beasts and all those things, but the actual feelings of like despair and suffering because outside of him, that's initially what it is and depression and just all those bad things. 
I think I always think, thought that, like when you read that in Exodus, where it says a darkness that was felt, like that's <laughs> a darkness that was felt. That's you a think powerful explanation. Go ahead. The ones in Sheol are feeling it right now. Like the ones on the uh, bad side of Sheol. <laughs> I can see that. A darkness that is felt. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely not being comforted. That's for sure. Yeah. You know that when you separate yourself from the Father, that, you know, there is nothing else. There's nothing else. He's light. Without that light in your life, you're going to be in darkness. Yeah. Which... Or an eternal torment. Not like what, that... tortured forever, but... That's what I said earlier, like when I was talking about the whole atheist thing. Like, I seriously, I don't think there's such things as an atheist. There's, there's God haters. That's it. Anytime that I post something on Facebook or wherever, you always get those people to come in and they'll, you know, they'll state something contrary to the scripture or say, like, I'm not going to follow that. Like, and then you, like, try to have that conversation with them and, you know, you find out that they don't even believe in God. It's like you're... You're you're not an atheist. You just literally hate God, and you saw my post and decided to comment on it because you have that much hatred towards the Most High. Right. What about um, people that actually do the behavior of the Father, but don't believe because of corrupt religion? Like, don't don't practice. Like, you know what I mean? They don't. They're not wicked people. They're not. So. But they are, they're doing the Father's will. You know, they're just good people, but they just don't want to entwine themselves with organized religion. Yeah. Religion has done a, a huge, huge disservice because and it's like one of the things I talked about a while back was that a religious lie is dangerous because when you have an individual that's in that position to be the authority or to appear as the authority – and they state something that is untrue and you believe it. And this goes for, you know, people that are in the church that think the law is done away with. This goes for people who have been hurt from, you know, church individuals for this, that, or the other. Like it causes a, a pain that sticks with you and it's hard to heal that wound so that you can actually see the truth. I agree. I was wounded by church that I was going to, but it was when I was on my way out that I was coming into Torah. Yeah. But there's people that are wounded by the church that in the first first of all, they're being there's some kind, there's a little bit of deception going on there, you know? Yeah. So, there is an atonement for ignorance. There is a sin. So, you know, that's why we can't count all those people out. I know I, I beat this to death, but there's those people in Isaiah 2, 3. It say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And let us let him teach us his ways. 
Yes, just like the workers of the field, too. Yeah, right. He's still merciful even after Yeshua comes back. He's still trying to work with us and show people, you know, so we can't count people out just because of their some of their upbringing or bad experiences in their, in their life because only only the Yeshua and the Father, they know the, the matters of the heart. Mm-hmm. So we just got to be really careful to walk and, and just be that light that shines to every single person. We don't know. That one person might bring 500 million people. Yeah. You know, we're just seed planters. Right. Yeah, that's been on my heart heavy that you know, I think our goal is to really just share truth, you know, really try and get people to Yeshua first because you can be doing works all day long, but if you don't have him, you know, you can't get in because he's the door. So I think our goal should be to lead to him first, but then start sharing the truth. Like, don't just stop at that because a lot of places that's what they do you know they they bring people to yeshua or jesus and they say that's it you're saved but there's so much more to it and i think that's where you know we need to be telling people hey you know what come to yeshua don't stop there learn how to study the word and understand his ways and read the old testament because that's the father's character you're not going to understand the new without the old but a lot of that i feel like the holy spirit also has to reveal because, you know, I was told things so many times, and until I heard the Father say it to me, really, those were just seeds being planted, but I, I didn't really act on it, or I didn't, um, I don't know, I, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, you could be right, but, you know, I, I just, I wasn't with it, but one day, Father spoke to me, and I was, it was just like a whoa moment. Because it's different when you have someone telling you and then when he tells you. Right. But it was all seeds that were planted in your garden that got you to that point until he was, until you were ready. Right. And that's, that's my point is, you know, we don't know when people are ready to hear the truth because basically the truth is just doing the behavior of the father and the son, which is righteousness, which is keeping the commandments. Mm-hmm. And just, that door that you have to walk through in obedience to, you know, that, that is what belief is because the children in the wilderness fell because of unbelief. You know, they didn't obey. They didn't keep the commandments. They didn't, they, they, they rejected the blessings and kept the curses. Yes. And, and they were stuck in that mindset. Right. So when we bring people to Christ, a lot of people want to know well, what, you know, what is it? What is, you know, well, basically it's, you know, first of all, we have to accept that that free gift of salvation that's been given to every single human being. It doesn't matter who they are. I don't care if you're a Rothschild. That gift is open to everybody okay. as, long as, as long as you repent. And I think that's the key. It's like, you know, people just planting those seeds. And it's multiple people, you know, planting the seeds in your life. And then one day you're just like, oh, oh, man. And then the father wakes you up and you're like, oh, man, you know. And it's like, oh, man. 
I just had like a a thought. Or as or as Tim likes to say, I just had a hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what was the what was the punishment of the man? And uh, Genesis three. What was the punishment? That he would work the sweat of his brow to till the land. He would till the land. So yeah. you could say that he was a gardener planting yeah. seeds. He planted seeds. He planted seeds. That's right. And that's what we're still doing is planting seeds by the sweat of our brow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and Yahweh will give the increase. <clears throat> yeah. That he just, gets, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, going back to the whole uh, church thing, like guiding people to Yeshua. Um, one of the things that I don't know if you know who Matthew Jansen is, Bree. Well, so he had brought it to my attention actually just recently. He started his. He's got a four-part series of. The atonement of Yeshua, he brought it to my attention that there is a different, at least one different understanding of how Yeshua atones for our sins. There's another uh, brother, Sean, he brought, well, I'm, I'm sure you know who Sean Griffin is, maybe. Uh, he's got another understanding. But then as I researched, there's even more understandings of how Yeshua atones for our sins. But one of the things that I'm still studying out, but I'm I'm in what I'm standing on now is the fact that Yeshua atones for our sins as high priest, yes. But the way that we are reconciled to the Father is we He was victorious over sin and death, and therefore is basically our master. Like think back to like the whole slavery thing, like we were slaves to sin. Now we are slaves to righteousness under Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And so therefore at the end, when he passes the kingdom or the authority back over to the father, we are therefore reconciled back to the father. That's how I look at it now. And I'm not against uh, the idea of penal substitutionary atonement, which is basically that he took our punishment. I'm not against it in the sense that I think that nobody should teach it because I think that that's a good stepping stone because it, it gives people that hope. And then when they see that hope, then they start to study and then they can come to their own conclusions. But I think that what the, what the modern church has done with that idea of penal substitutionary atonement is taken out the obedience aspect of it. Because one of the mm -hmm. things that they say is like, you know, when he saved us, you don't have to do anything. And that's untrue because <laughs> salvation is a free gift, which comes through belief and faith, which is shown by obedience to the law. And, and they'll even say to be obedient, but they don't understand what that means when they say that. Yeah. They tell you all about the salvation and they forget the sanctification. Even yeah. though... Even the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, where they say, you start with these four things, and then most 
most churches or most people, most Christians in today's society, they'll, they'll forget that fifth thing. That fifth thing is always important. And that is you go to the synagogues, which now I submit you don't have to go to a synagogue because we have copies of our own scripture. But you go and you listen or read the words of Moshe. And that's a command. <laughs> just as every prophet, just as Moses, just as, you know, Aaron, Joshua, all of them, Samuel, all of the prophets, they read the Torah to the people of Israel so that they could understand what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And that's something that's missing. That's my think, little rant. I think that you will take Paul, though, and they'll say that, you know, they don't understand that the law is still valid. Their definition of not being under the law is they're looking at the law as bondage instead of, you know, instead of its purpose, which is, you know, uh, Luke 16, 17, it says, the heavens and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of the law shall fail. So it has a purpose. It's the schoolmaster. So it leads you to Christ through obedience through your behavior. It changes your behavior is basically what it does. You look into the perfect law of liberty and it shows you what sin is. And now you have a choice because God gives us choice. We're not Calvinists. He gives us a choice to decide whether or not we want to go down that righteous path or we want to keep continuing and doing the devil's behavior. Yeah, because even even Yeshua says, you know, come to me, all you who labor. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Yep. It still means that there's a yoke and that there's a burden. And if Paul, I mean, if people ever want to say that Paul wasn't teaching law, take him to 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, where it says, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person. But for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy, which is Leviticus 11.44, and profane, which is Leviticus 21.7, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, which is Exodus 20.12, for murders, which is Exodus 20.13, or immoral men, which is Exodus 34.15, and homosexuals, which is Leviticus 18. And kidnappers, which is Deuteronomy 24-7, and liars, which is Leviticus 19-11, and perjurers, which is Exodus 20-16, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching or sound doctrine or the law or the Torah, whatever you want to say. The so law he's perfect at converting the soul. Right. So here's Paul teaching Timothy sound doctrine. All those things are in the Torah. I mean, kidnapping is not in the Ten Commandments, is it? No. Okay. What about being homosexual? No. <laughs> that's what that and that's just one of the things I was trying to like say. Like, even with even going back to the Acts fifteen thing, like all of those things are not the Ten Commandments. 
Those are specific laws taken from other places in the law. Uh, the two commands that Yeshua said were the greatest commands. Those are not in the Ten Commandments. So, like, there's I know there's some congregations that will say that, you know, the Ten Commandments don't even apply to us. That's nonsense. I do have a, a little bit of respect for the ones that do uphold the Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, even though they typically... They don't keep the fourth one. <laughs> the one that's a mark between us and him, so that one's kind of important. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's the covenant agreement, is that if you were in covenant with me, you were going to keep these festivals. If you go back to, was it Zechariah 14? One of the punishments for not keeping his, his Sabbaths, because it's not just one day, it's every Sabbath, Leviticus 23. If you nope. do not keep these festivals... You know, that's that's as good as saying that you're not in covenant with me. Why? Because he set these days as a instituted commandment. And this is what you will do. <laughs> or you will have rain for your crops. Egypt. Yeah, you won't you won't have rain. Exactly. But see, you gotta understand though the rat, the devil. You're cutting still out what you say. I said the devil's still deceiving people. Yeah. And we can't count those people out yet. Even 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 in the millennium, we can't count them out. You know, they just are unaware. So I, like, I remember growing up and, like, you know, you were taught that, like, the devil was cast out. And uh, I want to say that I was taught that he was cast into hell, but which didn't even specify which hell they were talking about. <laughs> but that was one of the things like I was taught, and it's like, if that's the case, then where does this deception come from right now? It says that he's not locked up until Michael comes down and puts a uh, chain about him and bounds him up for a thousand years. Yeah, which most congregations don't teach from Revelation. Well, they don't believe, they believe that Jesus is ruling right now. Yeah. They say his kingdom's here right now, but it's really not. It's His kingdom's up there. He's in his kingdom. It's not here yet. It's coming. You know? It's coming. That's for sure. And when he comes back, all the nations will bow down to him. Amen. So... It was a savior, the kid son, lest he be angry with you, and his wrath is kindled but a little. Yep. Psalms 2. Yes, sir. Gotta love the Psalms. The Psalms. The Psalms. It's almost as good as Malachi. <laughs> Malachi? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> All right, we're going to go to the new. Actually, I'll read the portion from Jubilees, and then and then the Psalm, and then the New Testament. But Jubilees forty nine, it says, "Remember the commandment which the Lord commanded you concerning the Passover, that you should celebrate it in its season on the fourteenth of the first month, that you should kill it before it is evening." And that they should eat it by night on the evening of the 15th from the time of the setting of the sun. For on this night, the beginning of the festival and the beginning of the joy, you were eating the Passover in Egypt. 
when all the powers of Mastema had been let loose to slay all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn of the captive maidservant in the mill, and to the cattle. And this is the sign which the Lord gave them. And to every house on the lentils, of which they saw the blood of a lamb of the first year, into that house they should not enter to slay, but should pass by it that all those should be saved that were in the house, because the sign of the blood was on the lentils. And the powers of the Lord did everything according as the Lord commanded them. And they passed by all the children of Israel, and the plague came not upon them to destroy from among them any soul, either cattle or man or dog. And the plague was very grievous in Egypt, and there was no house in Egypt where there was not one dead and weeping and lamentation. And all Israel was eating the flesh of the paschal lamb and drinking the wine and was lauding and blessing and giving thanks to the Lord God of their fathers and was ready to go out from under the yoke of Egypt and from the evil bondage. And remember you this day all the days of your life and observe it from year to year all the days of your life once a year on its day according to the law or all the law thereof and do not adjourn it from day to day or from month to month. For it is an eternal ordinance <clears throat> and engraved on the heavenly tables regarding all the children of Israel that they should observe it every year on its day once a year throughout all their generations. And there is no limit of days, for this is ordained forever. And the man who is free from uncleanness and doth not come to observe it on occasion of its day so as to bring an acceptable offering before the Lord and to eat and to drink before the Lord on the day of its festival, that man who is clean and close or close at hand will be cut off because he offered not the oblation of the Lord in its appointed season. He will take the guilt upon himself. Let the children of Israel come and observe the Passover on the day of its fixed time on the 14th day of the first month between the evenings from the third part of the day to the third part of the night. For two portions of the day are given to the light, and a third part to the evening. That is that which the Lord commanded you, that you should observe it between the evenings. And it is not permissible to slay it during any period of the light, but during the period bordering on the evening, and let them eat it at the time of the evening until the third part of the night. And whatever is left over of all its flesh from the third part of the night and onwards, let them burn it with fire. And they shall not cook it with water, nor shall they eat it raw, but roast on the fire, and shall eat it with diligence, and its head with its inner inwards thereof, and its feet they shall roast with fire, and not break any bone thereof. For of the children of Israel no bone shall be crushed. For this reason the Lord commanded the children of Israel to observe the Passover on the day of its fixed time, and they shall not break a bone thereof. For it is a festival day, and a day commanded, and there may be... No passing over from day to day and month to month, but on the day of its festival let it be observed. And do you command the children of Israel to observe the Passover throughout their days every year, once a year, on the day of its fixed time? And it will come for a memorial well-pleasing before the Lord, and no plague will come upon them to slay or smite them in that year which they celebrate the Passover in its season in every respect according to his command. And they shall not eat it outside the sanctuary of the Lord, but before the sanctuary of the Lord. And all the people of the congregation of Israel shall celebrate it in its appointed season. And every man who has come upon it its day shall eat and 
eat it in the sanctuary of your God before the Lord from 20 years old and upward. For thus it is written and ordained that they should eat it in the sanctuary of the Lord. And when the children of Israel come into the land which they are to possess, into the land of Canaan, and set up the tabernacle of the Lord in the midst of the land in one of their tribes until the sanctuary of the Lord has been built in the land. Let them come and celebrate the Passover in the midst of the tabernacle of the Lord, and let them slay it before the Lord from year to year. And in the days when the house has been built in the name of the Lord and the land of their inheritance, they shall go there and slay the Passover in the evening at sunset at the third part of the day. And they will offer its blood on the threshold of the altar and shall place its fat on the fire which is upon the altar. And they shall eat its flesh roasted with fire in the court of the house which has been sanctified in the name of the Lord. And they may not celebrate the Passover in their cities, nor in any place save before the tabernacle of the Lord, or before his house where his name has dwelt, and they will not go astray from the Lord. And do you, Moses, command the children of Israel to observe the ordinances of the Passover as it was commanded unto you, declare you unto them every year and the day of its days, and the festival of unleavened bread, that they should eat unleavened bread seven days, and that they should observe its festival, and that they bring an oblation every day during those seven days of joy before the Lord on the altar of your God. For you celebrated this festival when you went out from Egypt until you entered into the wilderness of Shore, for on the shore of the sea you completed it. Did he say a third part of the day? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yep. Which that goes back to what I was saying earlier, that the Passover is not the day. The Passover is the lamb. The, the lamb. It's the yeah. offering of the lamb. And that's yeah. why the Seder is not a thing. <laughs> it's yeah, eat flowers. <laughs> you have 24 hours um, in a day. So it's, broken up, it's broken up the same as think of Yeshua on the, on the cross. You have the third hour and then on the sixth hour and then on the ninth hour. It's between what the ninth hour and the twelfth hour would be when you slaughter the lamb. Right? Yeah. So basically, it's telling you to eat it in the third day. Yeah, the third part of the day, which would okay. be the fourteenth. If a day, or you, you, yeah, you slaughter it in the third part of the day, and then it's it's offered on the fire, and then nothing is to remain to the morning. Right. So if it starts at evening. Between the, the evenings. Yeah, I'm just saying if, if um, a day starts at evening, you would go eight hours yeah. and another eight hours and another eight hours. That's 24. So in the last eight hours is when you would eat it. Sometime in that yeah. last day. Because they, the, the they ate it on the 15th. Yeah, the, the evening that starts the 15th, yeah. Right, right. And if you go, uh, if you go through 
Exodus and Leviticus, it says that it's slaughtered between the evenings. And that just means from the time of like when the sun starts going down until the time that the sun has completely went down. That's between the evenings. Right. Based on the definitions. Oh, and they ate lamb. <laughs> yeah, and they ate lamb. That's it's a command. You eat the lamb. Yep. That's why well, I mean people would get mad if I say it or not. I don't care, it's what God commanded, but that's why <laughs> like you know, you have groups of people towards serving individuals that do slaughter the lamb. And I'm totally fine with that because that's what it commands. But if you are not among a group of people or somebody in your household or in the household next to you does not celebrate the Passover, then I, which I know I'm just a man, but I submit that it's perfectly acceptable and is considered a sacrifice that you take your hard earned cash and go buy a, you know, a portion of lamb and offer it because that still falls under the practicing righteousness aspect of it. Right. But I do hope to get to a point <laughs> where, you know, every year I have a perfect one-year-old unblemished lamb that I can, you know, do the Passover properly. And invite, people, want sheep. invite people so that uh, invite people so yeah. that you get that food. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right. Now we go to the Psalms. Psalms. Psalms 105. When I first started reading the Bible, I was calling it jobs, and people were looking at me like I was crazy, but it's spelled that way, so I didn't know. <laughs> jobs, three letter word. J-O-B. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right. some sometimes I still say revelations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Malachi. That's <laughs> just one of those things, man. Yeah, Malachi. Malachi, Malachi. Oh dear. All right. Psalms 105, 23 through 28. <clears throat> It says, Then Israel came to Mitzrayim, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly, and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to conspire against his servants. He sent Moshe his servant, Aaron whom he had chosen. They set among them the matters of his sons, and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark, and they did not rebel against his word. And that's that. Now we go to the newer portion. To the newer testament. Because it's not new either. It's it's old too. <laughs> Psalms 
I'm in John 8. We got three portions in John and then one in Revelation, not Revelations. <laughs> John 8, 12 through 20. <clears throat> Therefore Yeshua spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall by no means walk in darkness, but possess the life, the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness about yourself. Your witness is not true. Yeshua answered and said to them, Even if I witness concerning myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come or where I go. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true because I am not alone in it. But I am the Father. I am the Father who sent me. And in your Torah also, it has been written that the witness of two men is true. I am one who witnesses concerning myself, and the Father who sent me witnesses concerning me. Therefore they said to him, Where is your Father? Yeshua answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would have known my Father also. These words Yeshua spoke in the treasury, <clears throat> teaching in the set-apart place. And no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. That's powerful. <laughs> so he's that light, you know, and that light is what saves. But what I think a lot of people don't understand is how does that light save? Because Every man must work out his own salvation with fear and trembling, right? And that was yes, scripture. Sir. So, by understanding the Torah and guarding the commandments, that light gets you through the door, which Yeshua is. You know what I'm saying? Makes sense. Like, he's sure, but you walk like him. You have to imitate him. He just said it. If you would have known my father, you would have known me. You know, because yeah. he he's imitating who the father is. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Yeah. So I think we're, a lot of people disconnect. They, they don't understand how he is the light what light that is and that's the torah you know instructions for living for righteous living might i add so i have a question about that yeah so like do you think that the pharisees knew who he was who he said he was um you know because i mean first of all even though they're doing these terrible things, you know, they're walking in the darkness. They are feeling prophecy, fulfilling prophecy by their actions. But do you think that these men who were so high up, kind of like our elites today, like they know what's going on. Yes. And their goal is to, you know, get as many souls as they can for the kingdom of darkness. But so I guess, do you think that the Pharisees really believe that he was who he said he was but they really were working for the devil because they knew you know they knew they weren't stupid yeah i do believe i do believe that pharisees knew who he was but did not want to give up their power 
had been handed to them by Father the Devil. Because he, they even asked him several times, just tell us if you're the Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that, I think they probably knew. They just didn't want to believe it because, like you said, they would have had to give up their authority. But Nicodemus, because he he would have been the prophet. He would have been the leader. Nicodemus um, knew, and he did submit to Yeshua. Yeah, he did submit himself because he was there to help bury him. He left Phariseeism. He left the Pharisees because he knew that this was the Christ. This was the anointed one. Just like, Peter, that, like everyone Peter. that finds the truth in Yeshua always leaves religion. What are you talking about? That's what's happening. <laughs> That's what's happening today. We we discovered like, oh my gosh, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. The whole duty of man is to keep the commandments. Yeah, you know, keep the commandments. just the whole duty of man. And when you come. <laughs> that you're supposed to keep the commandments then it starts working in you and I think it's no different than what the Pharisees like Nicodemus it was no different than how we discovered it and he discovered it he was probably like well we're we're trying to keep the commandments they, they knew they weren't keeping the commandments because in Matthew 23 one through four, he says that they practice, they preach Moses, but they don't practice it. Yeah. They knew they weren't keeping the commandments. Even, I think even Nicodemus was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, he, I think he started, I think he started reading the scriptures. Right. And seeing that the things that they're saying is not what he's actually practicing. Right. They weren't healing anybody. They weren't feeding anybody. They weren't they weren't doing anything but serving themselves. And I think he had a front row seat to that. So when he sees this man going around healing people, and you know, he, he had a he had a change of heart. That's what I'm saying. You can be so steeped in the whatever you're doing. And if you have that change of heart and that willing to repent, then nobody can take that away from you. You know, I really believe that the Pharisees knew what they were doing. Look at Caiaphas. He said, he, he didn't even care. He said, eh, one man can die for this nation. Because he, would, he didn't want to give up his, his priesthood. But the one thing he did in front of Yeshua is he ripped his garments, and that disqualifies you. I don't think he was ever qualified to begin with. Right, but but it was just <laughs> he was just like you know he wasn't qualified. I think he's the um, he's the rich man in the story in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Wow, because he had five brothers. Yeah. Yeah, and he and he and Lazarus used to hang outside to get the crumbs. But did they not realize that they were fulfilling prophecy when they killed him, or they? Do you believe that their eyes were just, you know, the father put a blinding over their eyes so that way it, you know, they would fall through with it, or kind of like God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. So did God 
Pharaoh's heart or did they harden their own hearts? Because God gives us a choice. We're not robots. So I believe that they hardened their own hearts and they didn't, they just didn't want to give up their power. They had, they loved the best seats in the synagogues and their fringes long and, you know, the plate in the marketplace and, you know, loved being called rabbi. It was, it wasn't, it was a, it was a social thing for them. It had nothing to do with serving the father. And they just didn't want to give that up. They were rich. Just like the. They don't want to stop being famous. <laughs> exactly. They were like the elite. They were like the elite. It's hard. It's hard for people to give that stuff up. They don't want to give up their authority. They were the politicians, you know. Right. They were they were the chan state. So they weren't. They really didn't want to give up their authority. Except to some guy from Nazareth, you know. And I was going to say, all right, so if they would have paid attention to prophecy, they would have known when the Messiah was coming. And the reason I know this is in Luke 2. <clears throat> and it says, in, starting in verse 25, I know this isn't part of the portion, but it goes with what we're talking about. It says, and see, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was uh, Shimon, Simeon. And this man was righteous and dedicated, looking for the comforting of Israel. And the set-apart spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the set-apart spirit that he would not see death before he sees the Messiah of Yahuwah. And he came in the spirit into the set-apart place. And as the parents brought in the child Yeshua to do for him according to the usual practice of the Torah to get him circumcised, then he took him up in his arms and blessed Elohim and said, Now let your servant go in peace, O master, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your deliverance which you have prepared for the face of all the peoples, a light for the unveiling of the nations and the esteem of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother were marveling at what was said about him. And Simon, or Simeon blessed him, or blessed them and said to Miriam, his mother, see, this one is set for a fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign spoken against and a sword shall pierce through your own being also, so as to reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Somebody's getting a phone call. <laughs> yeah, they knew he was the Christ. Yeah, if you go through, if you go through Daniel, it uh, and you just do some calculations, you'll know. Or it, it 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 adds up to the time period when Yeshua was born, and I think that this man knew that, and that's why I assume it doesn't say it in the text, but I assume that he had probably prayed and said, you know, you know, Father, don't don't let me die before I see the the coming of the Messiah, and then obviously it, it had been revealed to him that he would not see death before he sees the Messiah. And then he did. And then what does he say? Now let me go in peace. Let me die in peace. Because I've seen 
the eyes of your deliverance. I've seen your Messiah. What did Peter say? He said that you are the son of the living God. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. Because, now hear this out. Okay, if we're obedient and we practice righteousness, as the Bible says in 1 John 2.29, it says that he who practice righteousness will be born. Hold on, I want to misquote it. Let me read it real quick. Um, hold on one second. Um, it says, First John. It says, and now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So, what it means to be the son of God, you know, when, when Gabriel told Mary, says that, and he will be called the son of God, which is the prophecy from Deuteronomy 18, where it says he will raise a prophet like unto Moses, and he will he will put his words in his mouth and he shall speak all that he commands and whosoever shall not listen to that man which he shall speak in his name you know that that's what constitutes someone being son of god he's Amen. he is the will of the father now that being said we've all failed but once the father has revealed himself to us we have the desire and the will to practice righteousness, just like that, just like that verse I just read. And we will be called sons, we'll be adopted sons and daughters of God. We'll, we'll have that title. Not taking it away from Yeshua or anything, because he's he's the master. That's why we follow him to you know watch and see how, how it's done. Yeah. That's what Nicodemus did. And I do want to point this out back with Nicodemus that um, here recently there's been people in the Torah uh, community that have been like, oh, these, if you if you talk to people who celebrate Christmas or, you know, you need to disassociate with them, Yeshua never disassociated from Nicodemus. And he was a Pharisee. And he changed. He changed his way. That's fair. The same thing with the people in these churches. My wife still celebrates Christmas. She did not put up a tree, but you know she still celebrates Christmas. I'm not going to divorce her over it. I'll be taking the light away. But every year, just a little bit better. And we can't count up. You know, we can't count the, the power of God un, unworthy. You know, it's real. It, you know, we can't do that. We can't count people out. Because then if you count people out, then you're saying that seed you planted, God's not capable of cultivating those seeds. And that is a big thing going on in the poor community right now. They just want to, it's like a cancel culture. If you're not doing this, this, and that, you don't believe what I believe, then you're you're sorry. Division. It's a spirit of division. Yes, that's what the devil does best. Look at look at our look at our country. 
they divide yeah, us politically, economically, socially, you know. <laughs> Even racially. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's the oldest trick in the book. A house divided can't stand. Yeah. And that was Yeshua that said that, not Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> house divided against the South cannot stand. We got three more portions, and they're all small, so I'm going to read right through them. We got John 12, 34 through 36, John 19, 31 through 37, and Revelation 16, 10 and 11. So John 12 says, The crowd answered him, We have heard out of the Torah that the Messiah remains forever. And how do you say, The Son of Man has to be lifted up? Who is this Son of Adam? Yeshua therefore said to them, Yet a little while the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you become sons of light. These words Yeshua spoke and went off and was hidden from them. Yeah, again, powerful. John 19, 31 through 37. It says, therefore, since it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the stake on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high one. The Yehudim asked Pilate to have their legs broken and that they be taken away. Therefore, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the older who was impaled with him. But when they came to Yeshua and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And instantly, blood and water came out. And he who has seen has witnessed, and his witness is true. And he knows that he is speaking the truth, in order that you might believe. For this took place in order for the scripture to be filled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. That goes back to the water libation ceremony, by the way. Revelation 16, 10, and 11. It says, And the fifth messenger poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his reign became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues from pain, and they blasphemed the Elohim of the heaven for their pains and their sores, and did not repent of their works. <clears throat> 